You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church, located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. And so as I was prepping for uh, this message this upcoming week, I just felt like I was having this ongoing dialogue with the Lord of, man, I hope that I can be my best tonight to communicate with you what um, is in God's word because I really believe that this is something that can change your Tuesday. Um, This is gonna be something that can change your tomorrow, that this is something that can change the trajectory of your next five years or of your next 10 years because we're gonna be trekking into one of the three essential questions that every single human being on planet Earth is always asked. And, And the first question is, Who am I? Who am I? The second one would be, why am I here? And the third being, where am I going? I mean, as as an 18-year-old, as a 21-year-old, wherever you may sit in the room tonight, you've probably asked those three questions somewhere along the way of, man, who am I? And and why in the world am I here? There's there's billions of people on planet Earth. Why why me? Why, Why am I here? Why am I alive? What's my purpose? And then we've probably asked the question of, of where am I going? What is my life going to look like? What am I going to do? Who am I going to marry? What's my job gonna be? We, we have these three questions. And so tonight, I really want to, to lean into tonight with you on this first question of, of who am I? Of who, are, who am I tonight? Who am I Ultimately, because even last week we had Ian here who um, he did a phenomenal job of laying the foundation um, from Genesis 1 26 of that we were created in the image of God. That you tonight sitting in your seat have unmatched dignity because you were created in the image of God. And that every single person who's ever existed, every single student at UNT, every single student at TWU, every single student at NCTCUT, the University of Georgia, has unmatched dignity because they were created in the image of God. Hear this tonight, too, that if there is someone on your campus that drives you nuts or hates church or thinks that that Jesus is a joke, he has unmatched dignity. She has unmatched dignity, that that is unchangeable. And so we wanna be a church, we wanna be a group right here where we lift people, where we say you have worth, you have dignity, you don't have to believe what we believe, but we believe in you. Isn't that wild that we may not, we don't even have to believe in God, but that God believes in us. And so Ian set the stage of that you and I were created in the image of God. He talked about how um, the book of Genesis is not designed to tell us how the world was created, but it was designed to tell us why and by who. So we were in Genesis 1 last week, and so this week I want us to continue the story with Adam and Eve um, in Genesis 3. So if you've got your Bibles, you know, just like the first few pages, just like one flip, two flip. Genesis 3, we'll start in verse 6 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, I think this is just, just something to think about here is, um, is that what happens in Genesis is not easy to understand but it makes everything understandable. Let me say that one more time. What happens in Genesis isn't easy to understand, but it makes everything understandable. Can I tell you, that's from Dr. Barry Jones, by the way, but can I tell you one of the reasons why I'm a Christian? One of the reasons why I believe the Bible to be true? While there's 
many religions on planet Earth, while there's a choice not to believe at all, why I choose to believe, is that I see an unbelievable congruence between the experiences that are explained in this book and my human experience. That the way that it talks about evil and pain and death, I'm like, yuh. When it talks about the joys of relationships and community and family, I'm like, yeah. When it talks about the internal struggles of I do what I don't want to do and what I don't want to do, I end up doing. I'm like, yeah. Is it the congruence between the experiences in this book and my life? I'm like, it's got to be true. And so I think what we're going to find tonight is some congruence between Adam and Eve and you and I and us figuring out who am I. So if you've got your Bibles, and um, if you, I hope you do, and if not, we'll have it up on the screen. Genesis 3, starting in verse 6, God's word says this to us tonight. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for, for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Verse seven, this is what I want us to see. Lean in here. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were, they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And in verse eight, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I'll read verse nine a little bit later. But so what we see here is that Adam and Eve are, are in the garden. They were in perfection, right? Made in the image of God, like Ian talked about. Unmatched dignity, unmatched worth. They are to resemble and reflect God into the given world, the garden they had been given. But then the enemy comes along and presents an alternative. He presents the fruit. You guys know the story. And so they, they choose to call, call themselves God, take the fruit and disobey what God has given them. And so in this moment, in, in verse seven, it says that their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. If you looked back on, into verse 25 of verse two, it says Adam and, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And then if you jump over to verse seven, it says that they, they realized they were both naked and so they sewed fig leaves, that they began to cover up what had happened because all of a sudden there was no shame in Genesis 2, and now there is shame. So what is shame? Here's what I would say. I think that shame would be that something about me is not lovable. It's the emotion that comes up in us. It's that feeling that wells up inside of us that, that there's something in me that is not lovable, that if you were to see this, if you were to get a glimpse of this part of me, then I would no longer love, be lovable and you would, not have, you would not want to have anything to do with me. Shame says you have something to hide. Shame says you have something to prove. That there is that thing going on inside of you for Adam and Eve. It was sin. It was evil. It was disobedience against God. We're naked. Ah, I need to, we need to cover this up. We've got something to hide and we've got something to prove. So what do they do? When you're naked, you put clothes on. So they begin to sew fig leaves to, to almost hypothetically, to, to begin to cover their sin, to cover their brokenness, to cover their shame. 
And so what I would say to you tonight is that Adam and Eve made fig leaves to cover themselves up is that in 2019 that you and I are still making fig leaves to cover our shame. That we are still putting things on us, false identities in order to hide and in order to prove that we are enough, that we're okay, that we're lovable. I mean, I mean, think about this. Like, I think back to my first experiences with shame. I was in the third grade going to my art class and I had my favorite white Adidas t-shirt. See, now this is before the three stripes was cool. Like this, is, like this was back when like Adidas was lame, but like I loved this white Adidas t-shirt. And so I go into my art class and we're using this like very oily um, orange paint and Cole got the oily orange paint smack dab in the middle of my shirt. My favorite white Adidas shirt. I was so upset. But I was also like, I look like an idiot because I have this huge splotch of orange paint right in the middle of my t-shirt. And so you know what I did the rest of the day? I like sprinkled up my shirt and walked around like this all day third grade Cole, like just walking around trying to cover up and hide it because I was like, I have something to hide. There is something that has marked me and I don't want for people to see because if they see, then I may not be lovable. And then let's fast forward to the, uh, the fourth grade, the fourth grade Due West Elementary Sock Hop. I don't know if you guys had, did y'all have elementary school dances? Was that a thing in Texas? Yes, no, yes, okay, got head shake. So, so we're there and uh, this is gonna be so funny. I'm like, I don't know, I haven't talked to this girl in so long, but there was this girl named Abby Nolte in my fourth grade class and I was crushing on Abby. So it's the Due West Sock Hop and so I'm like, I gotta dance with Abby because that's what you do with your crush. And so I like walk across the gym, find Abby, she's a cute little blonde girl and I ask her to dance and the look on her face was like, and slowly Abby just kind of backs away from me. And in that moment, I was like, oh, oh, like Abby and I were friends, like I'm such a nice guy. But then it was like, is there something wrong with me? Is there something, do I need to prove to her that I'm worth it? Do I need need to prove to to her that I'm worth dancing with, worth dating, worth being considered attractive? Or, or, or maybe even more seriously, I mean, the first time that I stumbled upon pornography on my home computer and taking this in as a seventh grader and then, and then, and then getting away and, and, and just that, that feeling of adrenaline rising in my body, but knowing that something was wrong there and that I had something to hide. Or maybe even more seriously thinking about, um, I had a conversation before I came here tonight um, with, a fam- with, a, with a man who has a, a family member who is addicted to drugs. And, um, and he was having this conversation with him. He used to, be, he used to make over a million dollars a year, drive a Ferrari. He was on top of the world. But then began to get addicted to opioids began to become an alcoholic and lost everything, has totaled cars, has been to jail, and, and this man asked him, he said, what are you afraid of? Like, why will you not get help? And do you know what his answer was? I'm afraid that if people see the real me, 
that they'll run. That if they don't see the, tr- the true me, then they'll go because shame says I have something to hide. Shame says I have something to prove. And so what we do is we begin to sow modern day fig leaves just like Adam and Eve in order to cover up our true selves. And so while we may not have fig leaves, what we do have is accomplishment. That this idea that I can prove to the world, I can prove to my parents, I can prove to that guy or the girl that I am lovable, that I am worth it. And so we wake up in the morning and we put on accomplishment. That if I'm being really honest, y'all, this is, this, is, this is such a fake ID for me. This is a fake identity that I would put on. This is a fig leaf for me. Man, that if I can just accure a much, enough trophies on my shelf, if I can just make good enough grades, if I can just grow a big enough ministry, if I can accomplish enough, then I will be lovable. Then I will be enough that I begin to clothe myself with this identity. Is this something that you wake up and put on? Is accomplishment and identity that you begin to clothe your hurting and brokenness with? Maybe it's not identity, but uh, maybe it is relationships. Maybe it's the idea, we just got done with thank you next, that it's the idea of if I can date the right guy, if I can date the right girl, if I can go on every single date party and I can get a thousand likes on my Instagram then I can finally be enough because I've got these relationships. And we begin to put this on. We clothe ourselves with relationships in order to hide our shame. Or maybe it's not relationships for you, but it is the ideas of intelligence, that you wanna be the absolute smartest person in every single room you walk into. And you want to make sure that everyone knows that, that, that your GPA at UNT is going to be better than everyone else's GPA. Or maybe you're like, grades are stupid, but I am smart. Like, I've got the street smarts down. I am intelligent. And all it is is we're putting this on in the morning, maybe even subconsciously, to cover our shame. Because, man, we have something to hide. I've got something to prove. Or, or, or maybe for you, it's the ideas of beauty that if I can just look a certain way, if I can exercise enough, diet properly, if I can go climb at the gym enough, if I can lift enough, if I can do this many workouts, then I will look a certain way. And if I'll look a certain way, then I'll be treated a certain way. And that will hide this shame. Shame always says we have something to hide and something to prove. What are you putting on? And so here's the the dangerous thing about these items that we put on to to cover our shame is it begins to produce what I'm going to call a shadow identity. A shadow identity. What is that? And and, and I'll be up on the screen is this. The shadow identity is the real you. The true you. the the, The you that God created. The you that God loves. That has been hijacked by your ego, and by your wounds. That your shadow idea is the real you hijacked by your ego and your wounds. Because don't hear me, don't miss me on this, is that like you being intelligent is a great thing. You loving to exercise is an incredible thing. You being beautiful is awesome. 
You being someone who has drive to accomplish a lot of great things is phenomenal. But here's the issue. Ian said this last week that we were created in the image of God is that the image of God has not been erased from our lives, but it has been defaced. That the image of God has not been erased, but it has been defaced. That there's been this perversion that's taken place, this brokenness. And and so all of a sudden, these things that were meant to be attributes and gifts that God has given us has become the foundation of who we are. And so we have this shadow identity. To help you um, to to grasp what I'm saying, I'll, I'll give you what mine is is that I am a talkative boy, starved for attention. But you know what my true identity is? Man, is that I'm a confident communicator for God's glory. Or maybe you feel like sometimes you're living from the shadow identity of being a smart girl longing for recognition when really what you are is you're a brilliant mind seeking the common good of all. Or maybe you feel like that you're an attractive girl starved for the approval of others when really what you are is you're an image bearer reflecting God to the world. Or maybe you're a photographer longing for likes when really you're a creative sharing your gifts with the world. Or maybe you're an athlete in the room striving for acclaim, but you know what you are? You're a child of God exercising God's given talents. So point blank, I'm gonna ask you tonight, are you living out of your shadow identity, clothing yourselves in these things, or are you your true and real self? Are you living your day-in, day-out life clothed by accomplishment and beauty and intelligence and romance? Or are you your true self as an image-bearer child of God? And so here's the first thing I'd say, and this is the first point, is that you need to acknowledge your fake IDs. I'm not gonna ask who has a fake ID in the room because I don't think anyone wants like with the cops in the back, don't tell them. So I'm just kidding, but like this idea of having a fake ID that will, that will, this idea of, all right, I'm gonna pretend to be someone that I'm not is that these fake IDs, these shadow IDs, it's the real you that's been hijacked by your ego and your wounds and it's not the best way to live. And can I tell you that it's draining you of your best life because here's the issue with whenever we put these type of clothes on, when we begin to wear these type of ideas for our real identity, here's, what, here's the issue. Is that we're always shooting for someone instead of just being the one. And what I mean by that is that there's always gonna be someone who's more beautiful. There's always gonna be someone who's more athletic. There's always gonna be someone who's more intelligent. There's always gonna be someone who has a better boyfriend. And so all of a sudden you're always striving and you'll never get there. And so then your identity is defined by disappointment instead of rejoicing. So whenever we're striving to be someone versus being content with who we are, we will be marked by disappointment. And just one more thing, I didn't even bring this up, but I really need to say this tonight for some of you, is that failure is an event, not an identity. Failure is an event, not an identity. Because I don't know how bad you may feel of like you have screwed up 
or that someone has screwed you up, that failure is an event, not an identity. That that does not mark you, that does not define you. So first thing from Genesis 3, 6 through 7 is that you need to acknowledge your fake IDs. Because when we acknowledge them, then we can move forward. And this next part of Genesis 3 is so beautiful. So if you haven't been listening, I hope that you can lean in with me. Verse 9, this is so cool. So they sowed the fig leaves. And then verse 8, it's so sad because the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God among the trees. Here's the most dangerous part of your shame. It'll cause you to to hide from your life source, to pull away from what matters most. But then hear these words in verse nine. This is so good. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? The Lord God called to the man, where are you? It may not sound like a big deal. Friends, he knows where God is. I mean, he knows where Adam and Eve is. Like, like he is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows exactly where they are. God is not foolish. What he is doing here is this is an invitation to grace. This is an invitation to return to your true self. And so in the same way that God spoke these words however many years ago, I don't want to do the math, is in the same way God is saying to you, if you've been clothing yourself with fake IDs, stuck in shadow IDs, this is what God is saying to you. Where are you, child? Where are you? And he is inviting you to be found. He is inviting you to not be clothed with these things, but a return to your true self. Because here's the reality is this book is, or is 66 books put together. And here, you know what one of the central themes of the entire thing is? God with us. Is that he is a God who is self-sufficient, sustaining on his own. He does not need us, but he does want us. And so in the garden, what is the story? God with us. Then this sin and brokenness happens. And if you've been tracking with our church on Thursdays or Sundays, this past year we went through 40 And we learned about Moses in the tabernacle. What was the point of the tabernacle? God with us. And then David comes along and they build this incredible temple with Solomon. And what is the point of the temple? God with us. And then in third, and then then Jesus comes on the scene, this Jewish man. And what is the point of Jesus? God with us. And then Jesus ascends into heaven and then we get In Acts chapter two, the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon believers. What's the point? God with us. And one day, Jesus is coming back to claim us all and we will live with him forever in glory. And what is the point? God with us. And so here's the deal, is that the real you is going to be found when it's wrapped up in God with us. That the true you is found when it is abiding and connected with its life source, the God with us. Uh, David Benner, a, a psychologist, says this. He says, God's will for us is that we will live out the harmonious expression of our gifts, temperament, passions, and vocation in truthful dependence on God. Nothing less than this will be worthy of called our true self. 
Nothing less than this will lead us to our deepest fulfillment. Nothing less than this will allow for us to show the face of Christ to the world that we have been called from eternity to share. Is that God, hear me tonight, God is not trying to make you a different you. He is trying to make you the you he created. Like even, here's the, here's the really tricky thing. We even, I think we have this up here. Is we have a CT college sweatshirt, right? Is that God isn't trying to make you a Christian version of you. Like you with a little morality dust sprinkled on top. Like, no, like God is not trying to just make you good because like we didn't, we didn't have like a good, bad problem. We had a dead and alive problem. And so God isn't just trying to make you like a better version or, or just like having a Christian label plop, plopped on you is that he wants to make the true you. Um, for those of you who have ever played sports, you know what, the, you know what the characteristic of the greatest coach is? Not someone who tries to change your game or redo your entire shot, but just to make you better. Like, think about if Zion Williams, who just, like, twisted his knee all up, like, if, if, if Coach K was like, hey, Zion, I know that you're, like, the greatest basketball player potentially of all time. Like, you're the next LeBron, maybe. But, like, I want to change your entire swing. And by your entire swing, I mean your entire shot. Like, because I think, like, I'm Coach K and I want to make a difference. It's like, no, no, no. Like, Coach K's job is, like, to begin to, to make him the absolute best with what he's got. And so God is not trying to just, like, make you some Christian weirdo. He wants to bring out the true you. So the second thing I would say, and I'm running out of time, is listen to God calling you back to yourself. Man, would you be listening tonight of God saying, child, where are you? Like, would, would, you, would you come back to me? Would you guys have the ears to hear God calling you back to himself? Um, I'm gonna tell you, tell this really silly joke for one second because I think it's fun. Um, and so there's this old couple, I've heard this said before, there's this old couple um, and the man goes to the doctor and he's like, doc, I'm like really concerned about my wife. And the doctor's like, what's going on? It's an older couple. He's like, I like really think that she's losing her hearing. And the doctor's like, okay, like tell me what's going on. He's like, well, I, like I ask her questions and, and she never responds. That doesn't seem like her. Like she's pretty respectful. So the doctor's like, I got an idea. When you go back to the house, like, let's try the distance test. So like maybe you walk in and, and be like, yo, hey, like, like what's for dinner? And then you make, get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. He says, all right, I got it. So guy goes home and he gets right inside the door and he goes, honey, what's for dinner? And nothing. She, he doesn't hear anything. She's like, dang. And so he gets a little bit closer, gets getting about like kind of like the living room area. Like, honey, what's for dinner? Doesn't hear a single thing. Then gets like in, like right at the base of the kitchen. Honey, what's for dinner? Gets nothing back in return. Fourth time, he gets up like right behind her. He's like, honey, what's for dinner? She turns out, for the fourth time, chicken. Ah. You see, the issue is, is that he had a hearing problem. And so hear me tonight, my friends, is that God is calling you out and saying, where are you? Come home. And so then if you are being realistic, you have to ask the question, Cole, but how? How? I don't just wanna be about accomplishment. I don't just wanna be about beauty or relationships or intelligence. God, like, like, like how, how can I do this? And here's the thing I love about Christianity. This isn't just like good thinking. This isn't just like, okay, just like picture it in your brain and believe it and it'll be true. It's like, for me, that's like looking at a fireplace and being like, I'm going to believe 
that a fire is gonna appear in this fireplace. That's dumb. Like this isn't just like, just, just like random thoughts. Like, like a fire starts because you have the right ingredients and the right spark. And what I would say is that Christianity has the ingredients and the spark for our truest identity. So if you um, have your Bible, we're gonna flip to Galatians chapter three. Um, it, and that's in the, in the New Testament. Um, the way I remember this, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, just something to keep in mind. Um, Galatians chapter three, verse 26. And this is wild and then I will shut up because this is gonna be really fun here at the end. So y'all, y'all track here. Verse 26, God's word says this. So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Did you catch verse 27? For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Christ. And so my third and final thing, this is what I want you to get. I hope that you can take this is that I want for you to clothe yourself with Christ, not with accomplishment, not with beauty, but for you to clothe yourself in Christ. Because here's the, this is so good. Listen to this, is that God has not come to just cover your sin in the same way that we do with all of these other things that Jesus has come to uncover your shame, to recover your true identity. Did you catch that? That Jesus has come to not cover your shame, but to uncover it, to bring it to the light in order that by the work of Jesus that you could recover your identity. That Christianity is not about just like sweeping your crap under the rug, it's about dealing with the crap and living a true life that if you want to experience the true you, you need to uncover your shame, uncover your sin, and bring it to God. And he can begin to recover your true identity because look at what it says for, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. That if you would put your trust in Jesus, you would put your hope in him, like even the idea of it being baptized in him, there's this connection that you are a child of God. That is who you are. Who am I? I am a child of God because he has uncovered my shame in order that I would recover my identity as a, ch- as a child of God. And so here's the deal. For some of you, you, are, you have been a Christian you've, or, and you've done it for a long, long time. Here's the deal. This is not just in the past tense. Is that God has saved us, yes, but here's the deal is that God is saving me today and God will save me. And so in the same way, I need to be uncovering my shame in order that I can recover my identity. I need to recover it right now and I need to continue to do that. It's a process There's no one in the room tonight that this is not a part of their realities, that we have an event, we have a reality, and we have a promise that we are children of God if we would clothe ourselves in Christ. Not with fake IDs, not with other stuff, 
but with Jesus. Band, you guys can go ahead and come back up. And, and so here is the exciting piece of this, is that the world isn't looking for more moral Christians. The world is in need of people fully alive. For you to be able to wake up on your Tuesday and to say, hello world, here I am. I have nothing to prove and I have nothing to hide. I am fully alive as a child of God. I belong to Jesus. That tomorrow when you put on your clothes, would you think about I am clothing myself with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so I no longer have to hide from my white t-shirt and my, my orange stain or, or from Abby Nolte just killing my ego or from that first time looking at pornography or for our friend who is just lost in addiction, that there's nothing to hide and nothing to prove because Jesus has paid it. So tomorrow, change your Tuesday. I would challenge you to wake up and say, you know what? Man, accomplishment, I don't think it's gonna fit today. I don't think that's gonna go. Relationships, I've burned too many times. Guys are weird anyways. Beauty, I mean, like, I look good, but, like, not because of that. Intelligence, like, I do have a good brain, but you know what? Like, that's not gonna define me today. I'm going to clothe myself in Jesus Christ because in him, friends, there is nothing to prove and there is nothing to hide. We belong to him. Father, thank you that you do not leave us in shadow identities, but you awaken in us our truest identity. So God, I pray that you would keep us as people who are defined by Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and not by the things that we can accomplish or the things that people say about us. Lord, because you are worth it. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen.